ASM, thanks for joining us wherever you're watching and whenever you're watching. So to get it out of the way, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We are in our series of James called A Faith That Works. And again, that's twofold because we want to see a faith that is put to work. Also, we want to remind ourselves that faith does indeed work. Just a quick recap of where we're at and who James is. James wrote this as a letter to Jewish believers in Jesus. He is the half-brother of Jesus. And we're going to dive right in this morning to, or afternoon or evening, whenever you're watching again, uh, to our big idea. What's our big idea today? It's that everyday followers of Jesus, check this, this is crazy, actually follow his lead. Very simple, but I think we need reminding of exactly what that looks like. See, when I was uh, in high school, I had this dream. I had a plan for my life, and my plan was to be a veterinarian. I love animals. I thought, hey, I could take care of animals. I could help them, especially dogs, love dogs, and it was kind of a concession I was willing to make to take care of cats if it's what I had to do to take care of dogs. Then I found out how long I'd have to go to school. I'd have to go to school for at minimum seven years. I was planning to go to UC Davis. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Seven years of school to make far less money than a doctor made. So I decided not to do that because of the money. <laughs> Joke is a little bit on me because now I'm a youth pastor, right? But then I thought, you know what? I love history. History buff. I love history. And so I thought, you know, I'll be a history teacher because I not only do I love history, but I just loved working with my fellow students, with my peers. I love students. So I thought, history teacher. And I think God was like, Curtis, you're getting closer. Almost there. And summer 2001, right after my junior year, uh, I went to summer camp, and that whole year, I'd been hearing from my dad, from my youth pastor, from my Uncle David, who um, you, many of you have heard speak at one of our middle school winter camps. I'd been hearing from them that they thought I should be pursuing vocational or full-time ministry, and I thought, nah. One, I think I thought that because, you know, it's what my dad does. I didn't want to do what my dad did. Uh, I also just thought, like, I really looked up to Travis, my youth pastor, and I thought I could never do what he does. And uh, I remember summer camp 2001. I was sitting in our chapel. Mike Cartmeal was speaking. I know it sounds like cartwheel. Mike Cartmeal. Okay? And he did the altar call, right, where he says, hey, some of you need to come and follow Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. And that's great. But he did something interesting after that. He said, hey, there's probably someone in here Maybe there's more than one who you need to surrender to God's plan for your life. You need to become a full-time vocational ministry person, whether that means going to the mission field, being uh, somebody who works in parachurch ministry, somebody who is a pastor, or maybe even somebody who's a worship leader. And he goes, I want you to stand up right now. And all of a sudden, I felt myself standing up. And it was kind of weird for me because I thought, this is not what I want to do. But God, see, had a plan for my life that was not the plan that I had. He had a different plan than the trajectory I saw myself on. And that's a very big example of how we follow God's plan, of how we see God's will for our life. And I want to actually knock it down a little bit as we get into James, because I think James is actually speaking a lot more to how do we follow God's will in our everyday lives. So James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen 
tomorrow. You don't, by the way. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You might think, well, I think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and, uh, and retail will be open. But the first thing we need to do if we're looking at following Jesus' lead is this. Stop idolizing your plan. See, we plan and we plan without consulting God. And planning is actually not the problem. I actually think the problem is the process that we employ. You probably had a plan for your day this morning. When you got up, you thought about what you would do, who you would see, where you'd be going. But is there room for God to interrupt your plan? Is there room for God? See, I used my example earlier of God disrupting my plans on a larger scale. But like I said, I want to take that down. and Think about your plan for today. I said, where are you going? What will you be doing? Who will you be seeing? Is God even consulted? And I'll take it a step further. I don't think that God has any desire to be your consultant. What do we do with consultants? You know what a consultant is? Somebody that we pay to come in and give us advice and tell us what they think should be done. And we can either take that advice or we can not take that advice. But really, we're paying them. They're our employer. And sometimes we treat God like that. Like, I'll consult him, and if I like what I hear, then I'll do it. But he isn't just a good advice giver. He's the boss. He's big guns upstairs. He's the Lord. See, you can look at almost any example in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, where anyone who received a word from God or knew what they ought to do, knew what God was asking of them, and then they decided to do the opposite. They decided to go their own way. We can look at Joshua as they entered the promised land and they fought against the, the city of Ai and they lost because they didn't do it God's way. You can look at Saul who fought many battles, but when he started doing it his own way, he failed and ultimately loses his kingship. My favorite example that we're going to go to here is the example of Jonah. See, Jonah was a prophet for God. And he spoke for God on God's behalf. And God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the story, this, this message of repentance. I want you to preach to them that if they would turn from their evil ways, and by the way, Nineveh, super evil guys, okay? They were like sacrificing their children to false idols, all kinds of crazy stuff. Here's what ends up happening. He decides, you know what? I actually believe God will forgive them, and I hate them so much that I'm going to run the other way. Now, it doesn't turn out really well for Jonah in the end. He gets swallowed by a fish. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. He ends up doing it anyway. And God does forgive, and he ends up really upset about it. Jonah does, okay? You could read the whole story. It's a great story in the book of, you guessed it, Jonah. But here's what we need to understand is that God's ways are not our own, and we can fight it, but ultimately God's will will be done. James compares us to a vapor, a mist. See, how can you trust someone who's temporary? When the one who created you and exists outside of time offers his plan, for your life. See, the words of Jesus say this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's what we can get from that. Look, you don't know what tomorrow holds, so stop worrying about it. You have enough trouble just figuring out today. And what are we to do today? We're to follow God. We're to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, what he says we ought to be doing. So our first concern is our is not our troubles and our plans. So what do we do now? What do we do? Second thing, 
Give God control. Stop idolizing your plan and give God control. So let's pretend that you and I go over to Payne Field and we find this like outboard engine plane and and I go, hey, check it out. Uh, I want you to fly this plane. Some of you would do this. I've seen this on TV. How hard can it be, right? You pull some levers, you push some knobs, you push some buttons, whatever. Uh, I can do this, right? I would not trust you. I wouldn't trust myself. But let's say somebody else comes up and they say, hey, you know what? I designed this plane and I've logged over 3,000 hours of flight time on this aircraft. Now, who do you trust to fly the plane? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust me? I I sure don't. Uh, I'm going to trust the guy who built, designed, and flew the plane. Now, I will say this. If you've logged some time with the pilot, if you've been the co-pilot, if you've watched his every move, I might begin to trust you but only as long as your flight path doesn't deviate from his. And more on that later about other people being able to help us with the will of God. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says this, For in him, this is Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven or on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So why do we trust his will? Why do we trust the will of God? Why do we trust the leading of Jesus? Because he made it all. And if you make it all, you know how it works. You know its purpose, its intention. In fact, he knows you better than you do. Psalm 139 verse 13 For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's this intimate act of creating you and knowing you fully. Again, James has been making it clear. God is not interested in fake, mediocre followers. Fake, mediocre faith. Jesus gave it all that we might give some in return, right? No, not some. Everything. See, our only proper response to Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf is our lives. What do you think about this? Have you ever seen a movie where there's a life debt? Would you imagine that I'm walking down the street, walking down 196th with Mitchell, and we're on our way to Chipotle, and we begin to cross the street, and there's a bus barreling down, and I see Mitchell in the way, and I run out, and I push him out of the way. I save his life. Now, in this scenario, Mitchell owes me a life debt. He is in debt to me until he can repay what I've done for him, until he can save my life. See, it's kind of like that. We respond in kind by giving our life because Jesus has given us his. However, we can't ever repay. And the beauty is we aren't expected to. We've been given much. And what's required is that we give God all of us. This is the burning question, though. What do we do now? right? We, we've, we've hopefully stopped idolizing our plans. We are actually going to give God control. Now we have to do the will of God. And this is where all the questions come up and we can kind of stall out. We can become immobile because we get confused. What's the will of God? Like, and we spend so much time pondering over that, that nothing ends up happening. And so I want you to think about it. Like, it's like when Mitchell learned to drive stick and he kept stalling out his car. I'm like dogging on Mitchell today, right? Uh, but Mitchell stalls out his car and he's like in people's way on the freeway. Like we can be that person. We don't move to the right or the left. We don't put our faith into action because we're like, what is the will of God? And I think James actually gives us some insight into that. James isn't hiding some big secret. Verse 14, I told you we were going to get here. Anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So the will of God is to do the good we know we ought to do. 
Okay, this isn't some secret. It's the good we know we ought to do. The problem is we get so busy with our plans, we don't have time to stop and do the good we ought to do. See, we can't be interrupted. Our plans are too important. And we and our plans are far too important to be bothered with. Ephesians 2, verse 10, is the words of the Apostle Paul, for we are God's handiwork again. Referencing back to Psalm 139, that we were created by him, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Remember, he created us. Not only that, he has a plan for the good that we are to be doing. And here's the thing, we can ignore God's will. We can. James makes that pretty clear. He's he's getting on these believers for not doing the will of God, for making their own plans, for not listening to God's will. Now, God still has the ultimate authority, and his ultimate will will still be accomplished. But I have an opportunity to be a part of it or to miss out. When I was in high school, and remember, I grew up in California, Southern California, so this analogy maybe makes more sense to me than it does to you. I hope it resonates. I was told that God's will is kind of like a wave. I can either ride it or get hit by it, but I'm never going to stop it. God's purposes and his will will always be accomplished despite what we do as humanity. Now we can either be hit by it or we can ride it and be along for the ride. How do we determine God's will though? What do we do? How do we know we're in God's will? That's a question that was asked by some of our senior girls this last week. And I think James isn't actually trying to hide it from us. To be in God's will is to do the good we know we ought to do. But here's how we can do that. One, follow Jesus' example. Jesus says, if you want to know the will of God, if you want to live within the will of God, if you want to do what God has called you to do, what he's created you for, Jesus says, you love God and you love others. Two things, love God, love others. And you can compare your plan for your life, you can compare your plan for your day to God's word. If it's in opposition to that, or if it doesn't leave any room for loving God and loving others, then guess what? It's sin, according to James. Earlier I said, hey, if you flew with the pilot for a while, if you watched what he does, if you marked his moves, uh, then I might listen to your advice when I got in the plane. And the same is true here. We can look to sound mentors who are mature in their faith. These are co-pilots to my earlier analogy. They've watched the way of Jesus. They've observed the way of Jesus. They're following Jesus with their life. You can trust those people so long as their way of life isn't deviating from what Jesus has called them to do. The other thing you can do is pray and listen. And you can ask others to pray and then listen to their feedback. I've done this many times in life when I have a big decision to make. Is listen to the faithful answer of the people who have been praying who are also mature believers. Guys, I'll keep my conclusion real simple. It's just our big idea. It's not hard, but sometimes it's hard to put into practice. Is that everyday followers of Jesus actually follow his lead. As you hopefully are able to have some time with some family or maybe uh, some friends, you've got Thanksgiving here, Uh, uh, maybe you uh, have some time to do this with uh, some siblings uh, or or just anybody, or maybe these are just introspective questions for you, I want to ask you these questions. In what ways are you pursuing your own plans? And when I say that, I mean your plans apart from God. Is God a part of your decision-making process? Some of you are seniors and you're coming up against some pretty big stuff, like where am I going to school? What am I going to do with my life? Is God a part of the decision-making process? But is God a part of the decision-making process in your plans for your everyday life? Do you allow God to interrupt your plans with his own? Are you receptive to when you see a need stopping and doing the good you know you ought to do? Or do you ignore it and end up in sin, as James says? 
And how can you be more receptive to his plan in your everyday life? What do you need to do to open your eyes to what his plan might be for you each and every day? Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.